Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. works a little bit like my brain wants to work based on perception action not thinking about and if I do work on perception action like do one thing for enough and then another like I did for days like which can be going from one friend to another and being in the moment and enjoying the time or it could be being at home and like doing stuff like that. Perception action speeds up the brain. And when the brain speeds up, it goes further and further into the dimension of light. So then if one is still around the dimension of matter and heaviness, like for example, a bipolar person living with their parents, parents have a different worldview. Bipolar people can take many worldviews. So when the brain speeds up, one can get a lot done. But then in order to really... So if I go out and about in the world, and I'm perception action, like, I don't know if I'm in matter or light, and other people don't either, and that doesn't matter. But then when I come back home, I'm definitely needing to slow down here. My brain has to slow down because the energy level here is slower. I can get faster here, like I could work on my computer all day and speed up in this environment, but then I would have to slow down like a brain would naturally. And when it does slow down, it can be painful, it can be sad, it can one can start crying or be moody because one realizes that one's in the wrong environment. And I think that's why I do better in California. It's like perception, action, perception, action. And then I come back, the brain has to slow down. So what I'm saying is, it's a little bit different when one takes the environment into consideration because one could think, oh, well, I'm in a bad mood around my parents. Or one could realize it's a slower energy, so the brain has to slow down. And another way to slow down the brain is to sleep a lot because if one is only awake 12 hours, it can only speed up so much. Whereas if one is awake 18 hours, there's a chance to speed up even more through perception and action. So I'm seeing, like what I've been seeing is the importance of 
the environment. And it's not only that, because my brain did slow down when I was on the island in a good environment, but I wasn't crying about it, and I wasn't feeling sad. It was just, it was fine. So the energy around one makes a difference because the speeded up brain wants to communicate in a different way. And it sees things differently. So in a way, like with what happened yesterday in doing that remote viewing, my brain sped up too much. So literally my body in this material energy at home could just lay there like a slug and my brain was seeing light. So the brain was still in the light realm and the body was in the material realm. And then I was realizing if if I see stuff that is light when I'm in the material realm, I might say I'm hallucinating. But I was laying there, I could see it in my brain, it wasn't out in the world. So, you know, I can see how these worlds kind of get mixed up. Whereas if someone was in a right environment and say had a shaman, they started seeing things, the shaman would be helping them with what they're seeing and they would grow in that and it wouldn't have to be slowed down or misinterpreted or anything like that. So the problem too is that the brain wants to slow down to see more information, to see new, but there's no one to communicate with that, that with. So we're looking, we're looking to flower because I was feeling like, oh, I took a sleeping pill, so now I feel better. But I might have to keep taking them for days and days and days in order to just sleep a lot so my brain doesn't get so sped up. Whereas if I were somewhere else, I wouldn't have to take sleeping pills. So this goes along with what Dr. David Hawkins says about level of consciousness. As the level of consciousness goes up, the need for resources decreases, like consciousness up, what you need goes down. So if I were to go to like a really beautiful high vibration place, I just need a backpack with a few clothes and things and I'd be fine. But here I need like supplements and things to help me breathe and things to clean the air and things to clean the water and blah 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 blah. Not that I have to have those, but one is trying to find a way for the body to be comfortable here and it's not. And there's probably more to that, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So what I'm really realizing is that I might just have to drug myself more this month to slow myself down. And I don't care about that, it's fine. So I might experiment with that. Even though anything I say I don't generally do, but I might try and take Seroquel during the day, which I don't think I need it, like I can manage, but you know, if I were if I were to have to stay here and live here indefinitely, I would turn, I would have to take more and more medication. I would turn into like, um, I'd have to be overweight, I'd be watching TV, I'd just be sitting there, I wouldn't say much, but I have a lot to say, but it's not the right place to say it or to explore it. There's a lot to it, but I was just seeing... Because like, if it's like there's no self, one has to um, 
think in terms of speeding up and slowing down and then that relative to the environment so it's fine for me to speed up when I go out and about because it doesn't matter like it's my world not clashing with others per se but then when I come back it's not good to be sped up because I, then I get agitated like I'm less agitated because I took a sleeping pill and I slept but that's not a permanent solution that I want is to I've never had to take sleeping pills and now it seems that I do because I'm more and more agitated more quickly here because it's not the right environment for my brain when I was in California last year I was able to come off the meds and not need any of it for five months and I came back here and it doesn't work here here I need meds, here I need, bleh. I need to poison myself to slow down, so it makes sense, so, and this is a bit easier to know, okay, well, there's nothing I can do, I can't fight the environment, and I know that my brain grows back and speeds up really quick, so I don't, I don't care about taking extra stuff. now that I feel kind of slowed down, I'm gonna clean up a bit because there's my clothes are all over the place still, my everything, and then I'll go get my car insurance, maybe go in the infrared sauna, shower, like, okay, slow down here. Today I went to the coffee shop and I wanted to write that thing that I have to write to hand in and my brain has been resisting it. I couldn't do it yesterday. Yesterday I was going to go to the coffee shop and try and do it but then I decided, oh, I'll stay home and try and work on it. And then when I decided to do that, my brain just stopped working and then I went into remote viewing on the couch. So I just don't think it's good to be here during the day at all or try to work in this energy, it doesn't really work. Or it's not really working that well now. And I went to the coffee shop and I wrote 11,000 words. There was music playing, people talking, but I was able to write. So usually I would think, oh, I need silence. At least at home it would be more quiet. But no, I don't think I need silence. It's positive energy that I need. And that place has a really, really good vibe. And so, it's the vibe, not necessarily the silence, per se. You know, the silence of beauty is a good vibe, but beauty in nature is a high vibe. So, yeah, that was learning, at least for today. I don't think that that can necessarily be superimposed on tomorrow like nothing else. Just like yesterday, I was remote viewing, laying there, I managed to get to the park for a walk, I came back from my online group and I was like crying and frustrated. Frustrated from the discontinuity of having a good like four days with friends and being out and about and going to meetup groups and working and stuff and then 
being at home and trying to do something and just totally short-circuiting. And so maybe had I not decided to stay at home and try to do that, maybe I wouldn't have short-circuited. I don't know. So maybe there is a way to stop the discontinuity. But at the same time, it also was because I didn't have a very good sleep on Sunday night. And so last night I took a pill and slept 12 hours and I woke up feeling so much better. So my theory about, oh, sleeping less and trying to participate more in life, I think is flawed here. I need to sleep. I need to drug myself to sleep. If I stay here, I'll have to drug myself more and more and more over time in order to sleep because my body will get habituated to it. So taking this Zoplicone isn't the answer because eventually it likely won't work. So if it doesn't work one time and I can't sleep, I could end up in the hospital. And that would really suck. So yeah, I feel like I've switched into being more, you could say, rapid cycling, if you want. But... I'm really not attached to the up and down, even though yesterday I was crying and frustrated. I wasn't sad or depressed. I was, I was frustrated because of the discontinuity, but it wasn't, it wasn't a sadness, like a personal sadness. It was a different quality, even though it might not really seem that way. When the brain is sped up and it's in the wrong environment, it can be sensed as frustration. Whereas if I slow down my brain by taking a sleeping pill, sleep for 12 hours instead of 5 or 6, I'm back in like, blah, and the brain is fine. Like taking the poison makes the brain resonate slower and when it's congruent with the way the energy's unfolding, then it's kind of like water not being aware of itself. So I'm seeing these meds as not like, oh, it's sad that I have to take them, but as useful tools for slowing down and speeding up. And the stuff that I take in experiencing when I was on the island taking different doses of like trazodone, like one time a full one, then half a one, and then a quarter, and then back to a full, and then none, and then a full. I realized it doesn't really have any side effects on me right now. Like, I woke up this morning, I felt fine, like I don't feel like groggy or anything. It seems like the meds kind of do what they need to do, but they don't affect me. I actually feel that it's possible that side effects are the result of the self. That's hard to unfold, but the self is that which feels depressed about what it's experiencing. When what it's experiencing, it's calling it bad, but it's not necessarily bad or good. So if you remove the judgment from it, then it changes in nature. And so... That change in nature, I think, is part of what allows to one to take the meds without side effects.
because side effects is partly comparing how I was yesterday to how I am today and keeping tabs. And I am keeping tabs by making videos, but I'm not keeping tabs inside. Like, I just listened, when I, I haven't been listening to my videos at all lately, I just sort of put them together at the end of the day or whenever. But I listened to a bit of my this morning video, I don't remember saying any of that. So there's something that's forgetting, and it's the self that tries to remember, so... There's no, like, it's the movement of memory that causes the side effects with the mix of the poison. But if that's not there, it's not really as bad. So in that I don't experience side effects, I'm not really that sad about taking the meds. I actually felt kind of like eating more to gain weight in order to, like, slow the body down. Like, like make it heavier. Make it more like, bleh kind of like this world and it's not like eating more because I'm taking more meds and I have the side effects it's almost like slow, just trying to slow myself down some way just like the meds are trying to slow us down so I don't know what I'm talking about but right now I'm going to try to go to sleep and I'm not sure if I'll try to take, if I'll take a sleeping pill. An experiment would be, I've been writing all day, that speeds up my brain. Can I sleep tonight without a pill, a sleeping pill? I doubt it. I should probably just take the pill. And play around with not taking it at a different point. But I think taking it and then not taking it helps me not to become habituated to it because the brain is waking up no matter how many drugs we throw at it can't stop the awakening so I feel wide awake right now been up since 9 it's going on 11 probably feel like I could stay up all night but that's not good I need an extra knockout to go into sleep because the level below this is regular waking consciousness and so one has to go through that level of regular waking consciousness which is really sleepwalking in order to get to sleep whereas before when one's sleepwalking you just have to get to sleep so it's hard to uh, the lower energy state is regular consciousness and then lower that in order to sleep but when you're up here it's just it's hard to sleep In reality, if more people were in this wakeful state, we would experience the days as a lot longer. So, even if I'm awake 12 hours, it feels like I've been awake for like a full 18 hour day. So time dilates and instead of thinking, where did the day go? There's never a moment when we're not aware and present, and so it's felt in a completely different way. So part of the reason one can't sleep is because time is unfolding relatively differently. In my brain and others' brains. 
It's hard to explain. But it doesn't have anything to do with a person that is mentally ill. It has to do with a higher energy brain state. And we need drugs to slow us down because that makes other people comfortable. Because how we act when we're totally awake awake is completely different than when we're sleepwalking and being drones in the cog of the machine of society. Hoping for the day when, when we can be free. I shouldn't get into all that now, it's like irrelevant. So yeah, I hope I can sleep. Oh my gosh, 3.3 hours of tense breathing today, when my average is 22 minutes a day. Even though I enjoyed writing at the coffee shop, it obviously was not necessarily physiologically good. Though my breathing is likely faster because my brain's faster, so everything is faster. Could be a sign of speeding up and not necessarily of tension per se. You know what just started a second ago, or a few minutes ago? The sound of the Schumann resonance. I totally forgot about it, and then all of a sudden I could hear it. I was like, what the fuck is that? And, uh, and that's spinning a little bit. I'm moving in a circle again a little bit. My heart. I guess I won't make a problem out of it, but it was kind of nice to be still for a while. What do you want, Schumann Resonance? Hmm. On Sunday at the farmer's market, I got blueberries, purslane, dandelion greens. since I don't have a kitchen. Mmm. Good dandelion greens. Good purslane. I did raw vegan once for 10 months and once for however long. And I always feel great, so since I've done these things in the past, it's not like I'm trying to, trying to think, oh, I need to be raw vegan. I don't have a kitchen. You need a kitchen to be creative with it and keep it going. But I can eat straight purslane, and I can 
eight straight dandelion greens. Last night I took a sleeping pill to sleep. Slept like a baby. I feel refreshed. I don't feel like side effecty or anything. Side effecty. And I'm not taking rhodiola anymore. Or tyrosine. I might have a little bit of coffee today. Since I'm gonna probably keep taking a sleeping pill, which I might run out of at some point. So I need to find a supply. So otherwise I'm just too darn wide awake. So purslane, it's kind of rare to find, but it's one of the, well, it's the highest plant omega-3. So good for you. I love being healthy, I just don't have the right epigestretic matrix. Yesterday, I went to the coffee shop all day and I had coffee and I had tea and I had Rocky Road Bar and I had a wrap a Tex-Mex wrap, vegetarian. And then I had a bag of chips. I can't remember if I already talked to myself a bit this morning. Um, I had my counselor appointment and I really like my counselor. I don't want to try to make a pattern, but I feel like I could stay where I am until October when I go to California just for the counselor, which is a pretty bold statement. Or it could be my sense that being able to talk to somebody now that I don't have the mental health system will be helpful. Plus, I'm saying some crazy shit to this counselor. I'm saying I died. I'm saying I transferred from one reality to another. I'm saying that... I'm saying all the weird stuff because I think especially with my trip to the island, my brain is starting to make sense of it and be okay with the story that it wants to tell instead of being afraid of it. And so I'm telling her the truth of all the weird stuff that I've experienced where if I was talking to a psychiatrist, they'd just be marking off a checklist of symptoms. But she's willing to listen and speak my language and understand that I've done a lot of thinking for myself about all of this. And yeah, she just seems to really understand what I'm trying to say.
and it's very, very non-conventional. You know, I said that with a certain event in my life, I had to switch into a state of almost remote viewing in order to see the whole situation to get myself out of there at the right time. And I said people who go get traumatized, they sometimes have these areas of their brain activated in order to sort of save them. And they get saved by the light or the strength that we didn't know we had. So sometimes we'll say, oh, Jesus, save me, because it was a strength that was other than what we have ever experienced before. Whatever story we choose to tell is okay, but we're trying to make sense of something that is just insane and, you know, it messes with our sense of doership. If we're able to do that, then what the hell? So I say so many things and she might give like a standard counseling line. Like she said something about try to realize when you're worrying about the future in terms of like whatever at the end and I said, I'm quite aware that I need to manifest in a certain way, like, in order to be in those certain people's reality, otherwise they wouldn't recognize me and I'd kind of go off flowering into the light and they'd never see me again. So it's partly compassion, like, this whole, this whole phenomenon, like, even though it doesn't really feel like compassion, but it's, it is in a way and it's really complex, so... And I'm also feeling more grateful for these medications. Like the Zoplicone to sleep because I do feel better when I sleep more. I don't feel so sped up. I don't feel so... Like when I speed up, I see more. And I see that the situation I'm in isn't right for me. So I want to get the hell out. I want to run. But when I take a pill, I sleep more. So I'm not awake as long. There's not as much to process in a day. Um, just sort of like, mm, like anyone can take a pill and, and get through almost anything, right? So that's just what I'm doing. And I don't, so maybe I'll be able to show. I can drug myself up every night with Zopicom, Seroquel, Trazodone, Benadryl. And then when I get myself to the right environment, I won't need any of that shit. So... And I was able to do that last year in California. So yeah, maybe I can think about the annoying remote viewing the other day as, you know, maybe whoever it was I was seeing, like all those people I saw, that van, that elevator, that phone, maybe seeing those people in that light, maybe it helps them in some way. I don't know. But I could at least have the intention that if my body is derailed and not able to move and I can only lay there and sort of look around in awareness, it actually feels like I'm leaving my body. So I think that's what's happening. Because when I'm seeing in that light and then it stops, I 
come back to my body and I feel a bit of a shock like <gasps> but you know you could feel that like dreaming and waking up but this whole not sleeping and <laughs> you know if I'm awake laying there looking at dream stuff and then I come back to my body and I'm like <gasps> like that could be a sign of waking up right that's a, a sign we take if we're falling asleep and we can't sleep it's like I keep waking up I keep waking up well, I'm not sleeping, I'm laying there looking at stuff, but I keep waking up. And that could mean it does have something to do with some kind of awakening process. I don't know. But it sure isn't linear, and it's sure not accumulative, and it's sure not goal-oriented, it's sure not under my control. So it makes it very inconvenient. And um, I think I'm kind of surrendering to that even though I was frustrated on Monday. I feel surrendered today. I guess that's all that matters is right here, right now, today. And I'm gonna go to a coffee shop and work a little bit more on what I was writing. If I can write 11,000 words in a day, I could write a book pretty darn quick. I just don't do it. So I guess it's not the right time. And I don't know how to write a book because I learn something or I feel like I do in my own experience and the next day it's totally different. So. It doesn't really apply, like you can't apply this. Life is this, you can't apply something to life. We try to apply something to life and superimpose our will upon the unfolding of life. and That's the mistake, so anything we try to do in that movement is wrong. And I've, I'm to the point where my brain won't even let me do that, so. Peace out. I was on my way home from a nice evening with my group of friends and I had a more regular spire day. 22 minutes tense and 32 minutes calm, that's a lot compared to yesterday when I was writing madly in a loud coffee shop and so I didn't really want to go home, so it's 8.45, but I'm walking through the park because it doesn't close until 10. And this loop only takes about half an hour, and I just wanted to get some nature time, even though I could go home and send off the report I wrote, which I don't know if it's entirely appropriate because I made it quite personal, but I'm feeling like talking more personally lately, like I have the counselor, I'm talking to my friends more, and I'm finding it kind of like necessary in a way, because before, it's just like everything's fine, everything's fine, and then poof, brain implosion, psychosis, in the hospital, confusion, people visit me, and then out, and then act like nothing happened. So now since I'm not doing that, it's like talking more, like people talk, and they share, and not that the self or my story is important, but I think it helps to keep me grounded in reality. Because if I were to be like, this world's not real, it's an illusion, there's no self. There's a magical world based on light and synchronicity and we can get there if we're just full of love. Nobody wants to hear that shit. They just think I'm nuts when I could talk like that. But I may as well say this is Oh, I'm kind of having a conflict here. I'm struggling a bit there. Like, oh, today was a good day. You know, kind of like regular conversation. 
And since I spend so much time with myself in this dialogue, I don't really know how to have regular conversation and maybe I've never known. Never really known how to build friendships properly. I don't I'm not, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just feeling the ground the the value of being kinda grounded. Even though my brain brain is sped up, I'm feeling energy today. Just felt all this love energy and things are happy whereas I think it was yesterday, I couldn't do anything, or the day before, I can't even remember what day. And that's the thing I'm seeing is that it's not one day accumulates on another. Every day is a new day. So even if I'm talking to myself and it seems like I had a bad day, tomorrow it could be completely different. And thinking about yesterday and trying to compare the days has no value. So, yeah, right now I'm seeing the value of sleeping enough, and so I'm thinking there's this thing I want to go to on Thursday, but I might not get home until like midnight and then have to wake up at 9 to get to work, and maybe that's not enough sleep. So, I don't want to do the whole speed up too much thing again, though I am feeling positive energy. Maybe the sleeping pill is enough to sort of tranquilize my brain enough for the next day. Like just looking down there, it doesn't look like much on video, but looking at it, it just looks so magical, like the depth of it. It's like so beautiful, this one view. There's more beauty there than every episode of every show on Netflix in one instant right here in this forest. And if you can see that, you've seen it all. And uh, you don't need to seek anything in particular. And I might take this online course with this spiritual master dude I studied with years ago just so I can meet him. Not because I'm really seeking anything, I'm just kind of curious. I just want to be like, hey, what did you make me go into here? This whole weird reality. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I had the stage of talking to myself in dialogue, I had the stage of being mad at the system. And I had the stage of trying to do all these vitamins and stuff, and now I'm like, hey, bring on the pills, I just need to sleep. And the next day, I'm pretty much fine doesn't really have a side effect per se, though I am feeling a little bit more thirsty, like, that's about it. So, and tomorrow I have an appointment with a random psychiatrist to get more Zoplicone. So these are the things that can't wait. If there's something that helps me sleep, I can't risk running out of it, so if I have to drive 
a couple cities over to get to the old mental health office to get that prescription, then I have to do it. And that makes me feel safer. Because I haven't been referred over to my doctor yet. And I can't chance it. Because sleep, I think, is the most important thing. If I can sleep off this day and begin again anew tomorrow, then... And I did have that bad day, but when I'm not making it a, a problem, like, oh, because I had a bad day a couple days ago, that means I'm getting worse, or that means symptoms, or that means I'm too up and down, or that means blah, blah, blah. If one's not worried about continuity, then it's not really a problem. And I think that's the difference that's been happening lately is, even though it might kind of appear like, I'm bringing a self into the equation by talking to myself or how I appear when I'm talking to myself. There's not really that sense of self there. There isn't depression or excitement. The self gets depressed. The brain might lose energy, but the self gets depressed about it and starts saying that there's an I that is depressed. But there is no I. So when one realizes that, the brain loses energy and it doesn't get prolonged because there's no I that is resisting or identifying with that particular state and saying, like, why am I like this when I was flying yesterday? Though I might have said those very words, but it's a different inner experience. So I would hope other people would be able to get to that different inner experience of the supposed outer phenomena and it's almost like getting used to rapid cycling in a way but there it just means things are different all the time it doesn't really mean there's a person that's cycling and it's not necessarily a problem it could be a problem if one has a, a job or something but and I'll get there, I might get one soon. And that might help with routine, which feels more linear, but. Yeah, so I don't know if I'm saying anything new, but I guess what I was talking about with the stage of the vitamins. Now I see, and I've seen like last year, it is possible to exist with no medication, but it's got to be the right sort of time and place as well. So, I know that it's possible, I've done it, but I also know that right time isn't, right now isn't the right time. So, right now could actually be the right time to just tranquilize myself. That's the thing too, as one learns that the fundamental reality isn't material. When we're less attached to the material, it's not really as much of a problem. So, kind of losing my attachment to, oh my gosh, these are gonna hurt me. <laughs> like, nothing can hurt light. It can hurt matter. But if we realize it doesn't matter, then it doesn't hurt. So. And of course there's pain and suffering sometimes, but losing the attachment to it changes that. So 
I think, I don't know, I think this might be able to help people learn how to function with this type of discontinuity. Not making a problem out of it, but yeah, so my next thing would maybe be, and of course, anytime I say the next thing, it immediately falls apart. So today, today, I shouldn't say the next or a pattern, but today, right at this moment, I want to say, I got you, universe, and keep going. You know, having this bipolar or whatever the hell you want to call it on whatever given day, it's kind of like playing a video game where you have thousands of lives and you start at the beginning of the level and you go and then at some point you die and you have to go back to the beginning and start again but you just keep going you go on a different part you keep exploring you keep trying and you never give up and the game's never over but it's not you keep going and you keep going it's not a game where you save your position. It's like being back in the old Nintendo before they had like Metroid where you could save your spot. It's like being in the original Mario on the original Nintendo. You gotta do the whole game. Once you turn it off, it's over. You gotta start from the beginning. Doesn't matter if you were in World 6. You gotta go back to World 1-1. And that's kinda what it's like with bipolar and sometimes it gets even to the position of that movie, Fifty First Dates, with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, where you wake up in the morning, you don't know who the hell you are. And you gotta look around and start trying to figure it out. And you don't know who you are because you're not a who. You're, a, you're an energy, you're a state of consciousness filtering through a body and it changes and it's like a harmonica, you know? So, keep going, and if one day you can't move, just lay still, close your eyes, rest. Put your feet up in the reverse waterfall pose, and, and just look at the light, the images that come into the brain, but don't bring them into the daily life. It's dream stuff, and There is no tomorrow in terms of building an inner self because there is no inner self so but you know people don't want to know that so then once one realizes that people don't want to know you just pretend to be a self too and you talk about yourself and blah 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 Maybe, I don't know. <sighs> you might not be able to see that, but that is an owl. I love seeing owls. Didn't hear them. Oh, there's another one calling in the distance.
The other thing I wanted to talk to myself about that I forgot was that today I was trying to get into my account on like the Guru Ashram site or whatever. Wouldn't let me in and made me change my password. And then I was trying to... I didn't have my giving assistant password, so I tried to get a new one because it erased the fields that are automatically usually used to sign in. And that said, oops, we can't complete that operation right now. So, like this weird thing happens usually when there's that shift where, you know, technology makes you reset all your passwords and it's just weird. It's like a jump in reality or not existing and sometimes it makes me wonder if one day, like, technology just won't work around me. And it's because it's our brain is based on the same principles that technology is, like instant messaging, like a text going from someone's phone to mine instantly, like instantly across space and time as if there is no time and space. Well, our brains can do that too when we're connected as one mind. But since we're not connected as one mind, we think we need these phones, but really we don't. So when the brain speeds up so fast, it sort of messes with technology. So it's one of those signs. And it's kind of like, okay, whatever, I'll just do it again. So yeah, that happened today, and it's kind of like, fine, be that way. My computer was being so slow, and when the brain's fast, computers are slow. A couple just stopped me and said, don't go up that way, there's a guy talking about there's a hit on him, and Jesus Christ and everything. And, you know, I've been in that place. So now I'm walking up the road. Could have been the guy I saw before who talked about Bigfoot. But he said this guy had mud on his face, so if it's the same guy, he's probably, you know, maybe more, you know, I don't want to label anyone, but paranoid or whatever. And there is shit to be paranoid in this world, but this is a park. But all time is now, and everything is always in all space, so can pick up on it anywhere. So I'm heading out to see that random psychiatrist to get Zoplicone. I have to drive like an hour, well maybe 45 minutes, depending on traffic. Just to get there, because it's a different city where my psychiatrist was, and this temporary psychiatrist is and I just need Zoplicone and again feeling grateful for these meds that just knock me out and slow me down tranquilize me so I don't feel like if I don't get into the other dimension now I'm going to not make it and yeah so we'll see how that goes I put some books in one of those neighborhood little book library things where you can take a book or leave a book and look what I found. I'm going to read it and then put it back because it's kind of old but I think it shares some of her beginning story which might be kind of cute. And I got this. And when I was at McDonald's drive-thru, which I go through like three times a year if that to get either a smoothie or coffee. 
and that only started happening in like the last two or three years. Before that, I never went. But I noticed that they have this machine that like turns the cups and then puts it along this little conveyor to pour the type of pop. And I used to work at McDonald's and you know, we looked at the screen and grabbed the cup and put the thing there and like press the button for the right kind of pop for all the pops. And I was just like, wow, times have really changed, you know? Automation, we're all afraid that we're not gonna have some kind of meaningless job to do. That's why I feel like next age or the age that we need to realize is the age of meaning because there's so much information, there's so much technology, there's so much automation that we need to find new meaning as human beings because being robots is being taken over by robots. And there's no need to be afraid of that because there's, no, there's another level of awakening where life is totally different but if we don't see that if we've never seen it then we're afraid So I just got a prescription for Zoplicone and I learned that you're not really meant to take it for more than six weeks. And so a little bit interesting because I'm not going to California for 12 weeks. So somehow I got to get this sleeping thing back under wraps and maybe it will naturally. They did say I could take 100 milligrams of trazodone. Uh, I was doing that at some point, or maybe not. I can't remember. So there are ways I can try to sleep. I should try not to take the Zoplicone for more than three days. No, where, no matter where you go, there's like big noisy vehicles. It's so bad for the brain. But I'm in the park and uh, It's kind of strange to go between this natural world where there are no problems to the world of problems and problem solving. Solving the problem of sleep and solving the problem of getting a pill and solving the problem of going to pick up the pill from the pharmacy and getting my other prescription transferred from the pharmacy on the island and there's all these things to do. but. One can also just stand under a tree and enjoy the shade and the beeping trucks backing up. And I'm gonna go look at the rose garden. And then I have a few other problems to solve. I solve the problem of getting a nice little present for a child's birthday on Saturday. And Maybe I'll try and find a quiet spot to sit in the sun. 
I'm in one town and there's gonna be traffic driving back to the other town so I may as well maybe wait it out if I went now no I saw there was traffic when I went before when I was coming in so more trucks Stop and smell the roses. Mmm. It's a very rosy rose. Can you see how shiny that is? Can you see that it's made of light? Can you see that? Look, it's right there. It's so obvious. Can you see it? This is the reason I don't miss this city that I used to live in. Sirens everywhere. Table saws. Blah. It's just this hub of noise. I don't think I want to stay here. I'd rather sit on the highway in traffic. So I've fixed a couple problems today and I've scheduled the fixing of a problem. That dentistry work I have that's not comfortable, it's all jagged. I made an appointment with another dentist for Wednesday next week. So hopefully then my mouth will feel feng shui. And I want to make a blood donation appointment for before then if I can. So you have to wait a bit after having dentist work and I've stopped taking the aspirin so I can donate blood. So that's another thing I need to do. And then at some point get the air conditioning fixed on my car and then I'll be good to go. But I'll probably stay here for a while. And just getting some sunshine. All the noisy things finally went away and now I'm back to keeping track of things better in my iCal. Whenever I have something that I need to do at a certain time or remember to do the next day or what have you, I put it in iCal and that's one of the ways I stay organized so I don't have to remember stuff. And of course everyone does that or lots of people do, but I think it's even more important for someone who's diagnosed with bipolar because a lot of times we feel like we're in this timeless zone. We do still need to keep track of time. And so when I went to get the Zoplicone prescription, they told me to call the clinician in two weeks just to check in. So put that in my calendar so I don't forget to call the clinician in two weeks. And I put in, go get the Zoplicone prescription filled tonight. And I might think, well, I don't need to do that because it's tonight. I'm not going to forget. 
but as soon as I say, well, I will put this in and I won't put that in, then I have to start to wonder, did I put something in? Did I forget something? But if I do it every time, I don't have to worry about whether I did it or not. On rare occasion, I might forget, but for the most part, I can realize that my brain is externalized in my iCal. This is something I forgot to tell myself that I heard from my counselor when I was talking about silence or something. She was saying that science has shown that the brain or nervous system, I'm not sure exactly, can only can only myelinate in silence. That's huge and I haven't looked at the study or anything. And then if you extrapolate that to demyelination disorders or autoimmune, it could be partly caused by all the noise. And these things would be very hard to, to prove. And when I was waiting to go see the psychiatrist, something came to mind about how global climate change is partly due to sunscreen. Okay, now that's a giant leap, right? Giant leap. And that's not what I initially thought, but I realized that the sun is partly meant to be absorbed by the human skin to give us the benefits of vitamin D. And vitamin D affects something like 3,000 genes, or I don't know. So if we're reflecting that back, we're not taking the gift from the sun. And not only that, that isn't being absorbed and transferred and transmuted properly and metabolized properly. So it's a waste, it's wasted. And maybe some of that energy is reflected back towards the sun and then the sun heats up more because it's not getting absorbed into things, it's getting reflected back. And I don't know if that's true, but you know, when you mess with nature, weird things happen. So it could say on sunscreen bottles, Beware, this product could beware, this product could lead to global climate change. Now that seems stupid, right? But that's how far out my brain can think. And that could be in a hypothesis that someone tests, right? But I don't have time to test all my brain's hypotheses, nor the equipment or anything. But I can see it. I can see these, these relationships. And I don't think about it. It just comes to mind. Something I'm finding lately, which might be quite obvious, is that being really kind and polite to people, no matter work, no matter what, works. And it's like, well, duh. But when, when somebody has a so-called mood disorder, it's easy to get into prolonged states of not feeling the greatest inside and then that kindness is harder to come by. But I'm finding lately, when I interact with someone, I'm just naturally more smiley. And it doesn't even feel like I'm trying to be kind or nice, it just happens. So there's a difference of feeling like in a bad mood and then being kind on purpose, but then there's just this movement of 
wow, I'm relating to a human being right now. This is a miracle. Without even thinking that. It's just... And I don't know if it'll continue, but it seems like a bit of a change, which could go away, but it's I'm, I'm noticing it. It's like being kind without a doer. So maybe the kindness is doing it, and the joy, the state of joy, not a self trying to be kind, which is a subtle difference. And that's the thing with this, as all the differences are very subtle, and they're hard to see. One really needs to work at seeing these subtle differences, and it makes all the difference. Even having that not the greatest day the other day and laying there remote viewing. Now I don't feel like, oh my gosh, the other day was so bad. It just, it's not even there. It doesn't even leave a mark, so it doesn't even matter. But it matters as much as like trying to sleep and knowing the importance of sleep. So, probably on Saturday, I will try to sleep with less Zoplicone and more Trazodone or something. So yeah, I feel like my brain is more and more awake. Like I'm probably manic, but I don't feel manic. I don't feel excited, but I definitely am having trouble sleeping because I could be awake a lot more and feel like I don't need sleep and feel wide awake when I'm awake. But then eventually it does get to a point, even more quickly now than maybe in the beginning, that that one gets sort of uh, scared by the lack of sleep, getting into a place where one could be crying and be like, oh my god, I have to sleep because one really knows the danger. It's not funny, it's not something to be played around with. So. If I sleep, I can appear normal. I don't sleep, I start to freak out. And then knowing how to navigate that makes it less of a problem. And I probably keep saying this in many different ways, but the trouble is I totally forget. I don't really know what I've talked about. I kind of want freshy. So I might drive back soon even though it'll take a while. Last week I had way less focused breathing and way more tense. How far would one drive for a kombucha sometime? I really wanted one and yesterday or the day before, I forget got one at Freshy and it was like $6.50 so I decided next time I'm gonna go to Superstore and get my kombucha
and today was a pretty good day. Last night I had to take a sleeping pill and I did sleep from like 10.30 to 8.30. Tonight begins Operation Taper Off the Sleeping Pill. Because the psychiatrist said it's not meant to be taken for more than six weeks and I should only take it three nights in a row and then try to taper off. So it's not the answer. So I'm going to up Trazodone and see if that helps me sleep. Because I'm feeling quite energized. When I was driving home just a few minutes ago, it was the first time I felt kind of like tiredness right in here. And then I realized it was partly because I was worrying about something that happened today that was like totally minor. It's nothing even worth worrying about. But I noticed as I was doing that, that is what was decreasing the energy. So going into any kind of worry that makes the self-structure prominent or continuous. And um, yeah, so I might apply for skip the dishes because... I like driving and now I have a fuel efficient car and it's like a temporary thing not sign up forever to do it so maybe I'll watch a video on it when I get home and see what people think of it or what the process is and yeah things have been good and I was having some realizations driving in to work today but can't remember what I realized so it's not that important but yeah I'm feeling more lost but also more found in that I'm able to be present in whatever situation I'm in in relationship with whoever and then just drive home and then just go to sleep or I feel kind of like nothing, but I'm getting used to it. It's a strange feeling. And somebody I know was saying something about, oh, you should share what you say and stuff like that. I can't remember, I can't remember what they said. I'll, let me see. They said, you are really smart and somebody needs to write down your words for the evolution of mankind seriously. And then they were talking about something they watched of me talking, not my videos that I make to myself, but something else. And they said, like, I wanted to quote you, you describe the eye of the storm perfectly, blah, blah, blah. And this person I know, they're very truthful to the point where it's a little bit shocking at times. And I think that I've learned from them about if you tell the truth, it'll be okay. I don't want to say that's a general rule, but it's at least more powerful than not telling the truth. So this thing I wrote lately was really vulnerable and personal, even though I don't, I'm sort of going through this process where I don't feel like a person at all. So it's this weird, bizarre thing where I'm speaking more personally, but I actually feel less of a person. And I'm seeing in the moments of being alone, when the self wants to come in and grab hold of something, it's like wanting attention. It's wanting to like create a scenario for attention as opposed to being in the moment with whatever's happening but not purposefully being any way in particular. So it's really subtle and I don't, 
really understand. But I'm at the park and I'm gonna go home and it'll be too cold there and hmm. yeah so I'm feeling I think it's a strength even if it's temporary because I don't know a strength of not needing attachment I'm not sure if that's what it is so in the past in these times of fear, I'd want to reattach to that which I'm attached to in order to feel comfortable, like I'm not alone. And so now I'm seeing that and I'm seeing that that is more uncomfortable than this aloneness that can, that can feel a little bit like aloofness. But in, it's not aloofness. What I feel that it is, is that one is coming to a sense of loving oneself more than the need to act in an attached way to others who are attached to me in order for them to feel good. Even though it doesn't feel good for them, at least they feel like they're in some sort of interaction with me. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to interact. That is not love, that's, no. And so it feels a little bit like an aloofness to those who would, yeah, I don't know. And then somebody told me a story about when they went into a really creative space and they've never been diagnosed with anything. And three different people came up with them to them in a row, but at different times. And like the first one said something sort of scary and then the next one said, something more positive and then the next one said something even more positive so it was weird because I'm not going to tell the story because it's not mine to tell but it reminded me it reminds me of when one goes into this space where one has this sense that one knows something that other people need to know and it feels like oh my gosh and then all of a sudden at some point people start to sort of have this negative energy towards you and then they start sort of attacking you and one gets this energy of feeling paranoid that one is being chased or or you know spied on by the CIA or something but really I feel that is a phenomenon that can happen when one has a sense of wow there's so much that we can have access to that we're not accessing and I need to communicate that somehow but then one feels the menace of society that would not want that they want it to stay the same and there are others that come in and sort of test whether we're scared or not and that happens with psychiatry not that they're trying to scare us but a lot of times when we're in the psych ward we're going through scary stuff and we haven't had the strength yet to go through it on our own and say, no, I'm not going to reattach to this system. It's not going to scare me away from that, which I understand. And it's hard to get to that point. And maybe there are people that get to that point and don't go through the scary stuff of psychiatry. They understand.
it's really hard to describe, but, and I'm not saying it will continue, but it feels like I understand that there is a value, or I have a value, not me, but a human being has value, even if they're sitting in a park staring at the trees, even if they're sitting on a street corner asking for money. Everybody has value. There's no such thing as this false value system that humanity has created, and it's that which is causing the pain. And the most sacred thing in the world is the human relationship without this hierarchy and value system that is completely false. You know, imagine people that get a mental illness label feeling like, wow, I have a real value in this world. I have a real function. Even if I don't do anything, I have value. Instead of get back at it, snap out of it, get back to it, why aren't you doing anything, you're lazy, all these things. It's not true. So I'm finding myself being a lot more kind in human interaction, but then I'm also finding myself being kind to myself in knowing that I have value. So, you know, imagine a scenario where you're in a family and you're one of a number of siblings and you're the one with a mental illness and you don't have your shit together. And yeah, imagine the energy coming from family members or parents or whoever towards that person. Like it'd be like, you're not as good. You're not good enough. You're not doing as much. You're not, you don't have kids. You don't have a full-time job. You don't have a house. You don't have um, a bank account with a lot of money in it. And I'm like, wow, it doesn't matter. I see my own value and I don't need anyone else to see it. And that is the freedom. And I don't know if it'll last, but that's the thing. What I talk about with myself doesn't generally last. So if I don't talk about it when I'm sensing it, I won't talk about it because it's sort of a momentary thing. So what I'm trying to say to people out there who have been labeled, know your own value and see it not from the point of I'm the greatest and you're not, because that's the same as what w is being done to us. So know you have value and find it and share it and live it and be it. And if you forget sometimes and go into fear or anger, don't worry about it. Don't carry that forward. Let it be and forget about it and move on to being who you are. We know from experience, if say we have a bipolar label, we can all of a sudden be the shiniest version of ourselves in an instant. It doesn't take time or practice. It's there. It's possible. And it's a matter of just touching into that. And we can touch into it any time. And even if we're not touched into it, we can't. It's still there. It's still available. But we have to be okay with being alone because if we're not, then we try to 
manipulate in order to get attention. When we don't want attention, we are that state of attention. So it's a bit of a different way of looking. And again, I'm not saying I'm going to be able to uphold this continuously. The whole point of this is that there is no continuous entity there. So remembering even the previous instant of how one was is trying to compare oneself to the last moment when there's no such thing as a continuous entity that can be the same. So comparing it to see if there's a sameness or a continuity is a waste of energy. But one can notice the mechanisms taking place. So when one doesn't feel like the shiny version, one can notice the mechanisms that are going on inside that are leading to that. And it's not a matter of trying to change the mechanisms to boost oneself up. It's just noticing the mechanisms and then they might kind of stop because one sees what they're doing. So I saw the mechanism of worry and how it was lowering energy and then I was like, whoa. And so it stopped and then I noticed the energy was back. So those subtle noticings we can do and there's nothing we have to do. Just pay attention. Be that state of attention. And I was, something came to mind about that energy and it wants to be shared or it wants to light up other people. make other people lighter. And then when one sees that one is that light, one feels that one doesn't need anything. So that's why lately I feel less of a need to try to do anything to fix myself or improve myself in any way, including diet. But eventually I, I feel like I'll find a healthier routine, but Material doesn't seem to really be fundamental. Well, it's not. Yeah, so I don't know if there's a strange concern about the possible seeing of aloofness and also the fact that I'm on a bunch of medications means I'm definitely not entirely stable but I'm not trying to be stable per se I do feel tired which is good, because I haven't felt tired in a long time.
So a person who saw something I shared about the process of suicide, not it actually happening, but being under the power of the possibility of it happening. I don't remember what I said, but they said something about, you perfectly articulated the eye of the storm. Your description tapped into the emotional field and it was a really fun ride to listen to it. And they said something, you said something about how when you're suicidal, it isn't you that's moving towards the act. There was a power to the way you said it that reminded me of my moments in that space and the truth of it. And in that truth rests a deep peace. And for everyone who understands because they've been there, that leaves us a respite from the pathologization and hopelessness dispensed. So, I don't know. Maybe that's a sign that some of the stuff I said or have said is helpful. I might try to see that video. We'll see. Today I woke up at 1.20 and I was sort of having suicidal thoughts and I've eaten, well this is my sixth Laura bar, so I just keep eating. And I was crying a bit. I just feel like I want to get out of here. I don't know. I think living in the wrong situation is probably the worst thing ever. I don't think any meds or any supplements or any vitamins can make up for it. And last night I did something stupid. I have like a whole file box of paper that needs to be shredded from like accumulated over the last year or so and I was thinking oh I'll just burn it so down in my little hole outside cement area I was like burning it and it's like making a lot of smoke and duh that's so stupid and then I was hoping it would eventually smolder and burn it all but it was taking forever so eventually I poured water on it and then I'm I'm like, oh, well, I don't know if it's still burning, so I had to I put it in a tote in the bathtub and filled it up with water so it would be definitely not burning still because I couldn't risk bringing it inside and it still be burning at all. So now I have this big tote full of water with, like, burnt paper and shit in it and somehow I have to figure out how to deal with that because... The tote's too heavy to lift out of the bathtub and 
I don't know, it's just stupid. And then I realized it's like my ego desperately wanting attention, like, but not wanting attention, creating stupidity. So I feel like I have no energy. I could be taking all these extra meds, like the extra Seroquel, the Trazodone to sleep. It just doesn't feel good. Tomorrow I have a blood donation appointment. And the next day I see my counselor and I get my tooth fixed, hopefully. And then maybe my car will get fixed and maybe I can just leave. I just don't see the point in being here. I just can't live here. And I feel trapped. I would go get and get a job, but I'm having such trouble sleeping. I don't know what the hell to do. I have nothing to say. I don't feel like I want to talk to myself anymore. So that could mean the end of talking to myself is worse than the beginning. I haven't gotten anywhere in over two years. There's nowhere to go. I just want to get out of here and never come back. I'm sick of this material realm. I have cramps, or I had cramps. I took naproxen, so I realized that could be some of why I was feeling really low energy and kind of down and out. And it comes and goes. I'm probably more of a, quote, rapid cycler now than I was before. So I feel like up and I say things that show that I'm up. And then the next day I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, I can't keep going. And I started watching some YouTube and... I watched this thing on a hypnotist guy, Albert Nuremberg. And I watched his hypnotist pres presentation and it was interesting because he talks about how the state of hypnosis is much like going into REM sleep. 
and I'm pretty sure without looking it up that REM sleep is dream sleep. So what this relates to for me is how I've been talking about how a lot of so-called psychosis and altered states is sort of like dreaming while awake. And so people who are hypnotized are sort of in this dreaming state, but he's saying they're wide awake. And he was making the point that it's very regenerative. So the people he hypnotized would be feeling really regenerated after. So this relates to how this REM sleep, this REM brain state while awake is a healing process or something that is regenerative. So when it happens in the way of a psychosis, it's really... Um, it's really troubling sometimes. So in the, in the case of him, this hypnotist, Albert Nuremberg, being on stage and putting people into a REM state and then they're suggestible and he'll do what they say. So they're kind of in a dream state, but he's the one directing the dream. Whereas if someone is in a so-called psychosis or altered state, they're in a REM state, but there's actual dream content while awake that is directing what one is doing. So one is being directed by this dream state while awake. And so one is acting according to this, whatever is coming in this REM state that needs to be healed, but it's coming out in daily life because acting it out in daily life is more healing. But it can also be stuff from past life or, or family history in the collective dream or nightmare of the family history that's in the DNA. So it's being made aware of in, in life and it's sort of being acted out in conscious life in order to sort of become re aware of it again and possibly heal it. Or, you know, these patterns, they repeat themselves. So maybe part of the healing is not acting them out even though one becomes aware of them. So it's really interesting because... You know, it's hard to know what's going on. But anyway, he was saying in his TED Talk, hypnosis itself is uncharted and dream the dreaming state is tremendously recuperative. And he said hypnosis is the common massive inheritance of all humanity or something like that. So one could say psychosis is a common massive inheritance of all humanity. It's sort of a REM state while wide awake or something. I don't know the science of it. I can make lots of similes and metaphors and quickly relate it to what I've seen or looked at in daily life. But if I was to take the time to research this relating hypnosis to psychosis or REM state to psychosis or what have you, it would take 10, 20 years to create the science to prove it. But what I'm more so doing is trying to take some of the the illness out of it. Like these are things that brain can do. And then people get directed by that just as they might get directed by a hypnotist or directed by someone who is uh, torturing them. You know, so some of the stuff that comes up in psychosis is like the torture of mankind. And then it's hard not to 
be uh, acting out something related to being tortured in a way. And we are being tortured because we're not allowed to be ourselves. And we don't even know what that is. And if we have a bipolar diagnosis, oftentimes we have come into contact with what that is more so. And then we're not, when we're not able to be that way or it's not happening that way, it is a downer because we have seen and been and accessed that which we're able to be. And so I went, I looked into this Albert Nuremberg guy and he's creating a movie called, it's a documentary called You Are What You Act. And it's not out yet. I wasn't able to find it, but I did see um, a trailer and he has a video on YouTube called Super Dramatic, You Are What You Act. And it's sort of a bit of the science behind it. And he calls himself a laughologist and he calls what he's developed um, actor size. So he talks about how what Amy Cuddy talks about in her research in terms of the power poses and how they affect mood. And some other guy who said he's hacked love so you can kind of fall in love with anyone. He's saying that somebody else said that those exercises are basically what they teach in acting 101 or drama classes. And then I came across this article called You Become What You Pretend to Be by the Creativity Post. And it's a good article. It talks about Michelangelo and Salvador Dali and says Salvador Dali was really shy and his grandpa or something gave him at the his uncle said be an actor and act and eventually he became like this really gregarious personality of his time or something so he became what he pretended to be and Somebody else was saying that a lot of painters, they paint sort of sad stuff because they're isolated. So Leonardo da Vinci had people like playing music and being joyful around him when he painted the Mona Lisa because of that. You know, and see, these are things that I've experienced in my life and I'm sort of battling with right now is that I do really well around lots of like positive and happy people. And it's a scientific thing. It's not, it's not unscientific. So I do really well and I become happy and so it says here Leonardo da Vinci also observed that it's no mystery why it's fun to be around happy people and depressing to be around depressed people blah 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 so that was a good article and I also read one time that they created like smile therapy for bipolar people just smile 20 minutes a day you know and And then somewhere there was a quote, if one has the intention of becoming a monk and goes through the motions of acting like a monk, he will become a monk. So I feel like with people who experience so-called mania, we can create an intention to become almost anything that we want because we've already had that energy of being exactly how we want 
and I asked myself the question, am I pretending to be sad where I am? Like, I don't generally feel sad, but I feel like around people who, it's almost not safe for me to be as happy as I can because then I get drugged and called bipolar and manic and everything. So I feel like the sadness I feel could almost be pretend sadness, like it's real. But it's also me f like faking being sad without trying to fake it. Just like when I'm super happy, I'm not faking it. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. So I'm sad, that's how it is. But I feel like it's almost like pretending to keep myself safe. And so this article on you become what you pretend to be, I think it was, says your attitude influences your behavior and conversely your behavior influences your attitude. So usually we try to like psych ourselves up in our mind in order to behave a certain way. And I've talked about this a lot with myself in terms of the epigesturetic matrix and the effect that it has on us. One sec. Anyway, what I'm trying to say even though I feel partially grumpy. Um, this Albert guy, he was saying there's a new science of embodied cognition. So talking about body posture related to how we feel and stuff and that creating our behavior. And what I'm trying to get at is that In his thing that he shares about actor size, he's talking about like this wow posture, like going wow, and then you feel kind of in awe, and then the thumbs up, and then the smile, and laugh, and the Wonder Woman pose, and the victory pose, and and he also said do like this gesture as a rejection of the feeling of judgment for people who are basically saying you can't be that happy. So what I'm trying to say is this is kind of what happens in mania is we gesture ourselves into being that happy. So we do the more and more things that we do with our body, we get more and more happy. So a lot of times we're really generous and we talk to people randomly for long periods of time. We don't have somewhere else to be except the present moment. And I feel people who are in mania, how they behave and act could be studied in order to share with other people how to get that happy, as opposed to studying how to bring people down and, and um, make them mediocre. So, you know, to have a few gestures like smile and make a wow face and things like that, the gestures that we do in mania are way more powerful than that. And for me, I would love for everyone to be as happy as one feels in mania and not feel like anyone has to be any lower than that. So it would be cool to be able to share those gestures so other people could 
do that too and that's what this guy is saying like oh wow look there's this new science of actor sizing you act a certain way you know you fake it till you make it the thing is with the power of mania we don't have to fake anything and we all have that power um, accessible in an instant and it would make us act a, a certain way so I feel like I've talked about it with myself at great length over the last couple years which is epi gesturing oneself into those states and so far I haven't really been able to do that for myself and then I talk about doing it but then I don't know if I ever do though I do to some extent because you know donating blood is a gesture of of caring for other people and in mania there at a lot of time a lot of the times there is um, care for other people and um, yeah so what I'm trying to say is the things that I talk about I can usually at some point find some kind of evidence that it's true and again people who are normal or you know sort of like at the mediocre lowest common denominator level they've been duped into being that way through education and everything and then people now come along and try to sell them this embodied cognition or actor sizing or fake it till you make it like we're all born with these qualities and then we're programmed out of them and then like sheep we try to go to others to tell us how to get out of it but the problem is there is no how to like education makes us look to others and ask how to do this how to do that when we have the capacity to learn that ourselves within us and that's how we learn as children we don't want anyone to show us how to do it we want to figure it out for ourselves so yeah I'm, I'm going to keep my eye out for this movie you are what you act if I really wanted to I could act myself into almost anything probably quite quickly and like right now I'm feeling like so in my current situation what I'm supposed to act as you know daughter family member is not my favorite role at all and so I could easily leave and not have to play that role and I would be totally different because the thing is that I have tried to be myself here but I get yelled at and attacked because it makes others uncomfortable because they don't like that energy because then they have to be different and you know I really don't know the difference between me or they or I or you or anything like that but I do have a capacity to be extremely happy 
for no reason. Like, that's the thing. Happiness is real when it's not for a particular reason. Because if it's for a particular reason, it can be taken away. And the problem is when we do become happy for no reason in mania, people are, like, confounded by it. And they don't like this happiness without cause. They're looking for a cause for your happiness. They're trying to figure out why is this person so happy. And there is no cause, so they can't figure it out. So that energy, other people are sort of, well, they must be ill. Like, that must be the cause, because they're being so different. They're being so happy, way more happy than most people. So... And if a person doesn't say, well, I'm so happy because I'm rich and I'm famous and I have everything I want, well, that would be a good reason. But people in mania generally don't have that. So, I don't know. It's just kind of confusing. And, like, I'm happy with nothing, but I'm not happy pretending to be not happy because... That makes other people comfortable. Or I also know that these people can't make me happy or can't be happy for me being happy for no reason. So I don't know. I'm just really seeing that I could leave and never come back and be okay with it. And I think that, that the field might start to sense that and then and sort of attack the energy of that to try to get it to not be able to leave. So to trap a person into playing a role of mental patient or dysfunctional daughter or whatever you know parents would rather have a dysfunctional daughter that's sort of known to be living in the basement than have a daughter that is so happy for no reason and gone and I don't know if this is true but I just want to get out of here So, it's the wrong epigestratic matrix, blah, blah, blah. I have to figure out what to do with those charred pieces of paper. It was interesting. When I first lit it on fire, I felt like this energy in my hands. Like, and I realized that this lighting something on fire had some kind of significance in the past, but I don't know what. Maybe it was also because I was like burning my personal documents that, you know, it's the stuff you're not supposed to put in the garbage. It's just like burning one's identity.
And yesterday I watched a video by Dr. Yvonne Kaysen, and she was talking about near-death experiences and the near-death experiences that she had and also how she was incapacitated for like 12 years and then had a spontaneous healing. And she was talking about these different things that happen in spiritually transformative experiences and near-death experiences, but also saying that they don't understand them. But I feel like I do understand them in a way. She talked about automatic writing, which I've experienced, channeling, I've experienced telekinesis, which is moving stuff, which I've kind of experienced, electrophotosensitivity syndrome, which is where an aura converts out electronic equipment. I think that's what's happening with my new car. Stigmata, wounds on the body, bleeding blood. I haven't had that, but I had blood um, on a red pepper and blood taste in the water, so I've had that kind of thing. Materialization, materialized things or your own body, and I think I did rematerialize my own body. And she says we don't understand these phenomena. Bilocation, I think I've experienced that. Transdimensional psychic experiences, I've ex experienced that. Inspired creativity and genius, I've experienced that. And um, near-death experience, I think I've experienced that, but in a different way. It's really messed up. It would be hard to go into. And, yeah, I might email her. She has a good talk on YouTube. She probably has several talks. But, yeah, so there's a lot, you know. And I could read about these sorts of things every day. And Steve Pavlina is going to do a course on subjective reality. Or, no, on uh, abundance. And so I might do that course, and I emailed him a long email saying something like, how would someone create abundance who can't really plan or like remember what one did yesterday or whatever? Like, I didn't wear my Spire device yesterday or today, and I've been wearing it every day. So this is the thing when the brain starts to lose interest in the things that it usually does, and then it's kind of challenging but yeah Albert Nuremberg Yvonne Kaysen I'm watching another thing on near um, near-death experience so yeah I just I just want to get out of here did have some suicidal thoughts today like that would be the easy way to just get out of here I just arrived at the blood donor clinic and today I'm going to try to donate blood I say try because they could reject me due to lack of iron or low blood pressure or something like that so we'll find out Hopefully I can save a few lives today.
rejected. My iron is too low. And this makes sense because I found my period yesterday. But it's also, I think it would have been fine, but I don't have my own kitchen to make smoothies with oats, like raw oats and things like that. So, you know, eating only Laura bars yesterday and like A&W the day before isn't really healthy. And I have like acne right now. So not eating healthy is definitely affecting me. And I'll make another appointment for two weeks from now and it should be better because I'll have regenerated some iron but I think that this shouldn't have happened if I had proper appropriate epigesteretic matrix to cook and keep myself healthy and have my greens I haven't really been eating healthy at all so slightly annoying but I'm gonna go out and buy some yerba mate tea bags for a friend's coffee shop, tea shop. And then I might go to Costco and try and get some packets of stevia. So if I can't be kind by donating blood, I'll be kind by supporting a friend. And yeah. And if I had my own kitchen to make stuff, I would do an experiment on how quickly I can get my iron up after having my period and then donating blood in like two weeks because they have the clinic here every two weeks. They have lots of clinics around, but it's just annoying that I'm not able to keep myself as healthy. I text my brain twin to see if he wants to come up here for a while and maybe we'll get into some crazy shenanigans. <sighs> Anywho, try not to be annoyed. The only reason to be super happy is for no reason at all. If there's a reason, it's not really true happiness because it has a condition to it. And I think that's the part of bipolar that people don't understand is being happy for no reason at all. And if people know us and nothing really has changed in our life and we're super happy for no particular reason, People get worried because they see that we don't have a reason to be happy. But that's exactly why we are happy, because there's no reason to be happy. And I got some of my favorite brand of soap, Soapworks, and I couldn't get the tea bags that I wanted to get from my friend, and so I'm going to look online. And I got a kombucha for no reason but to enjoy it. And I'm going to go back to the tea shop and just hang out for a while. So I'm reading a little bit of Byron Katie's book, Loving What Is. And I'm finding it kind of helpful. It's interesting, though, to try to detach oneself from the stories of thought. Because I've lived in a world where there is no attachment to the stories of thought and all energy is devoted towards collapsing wave functions of possibility based on infinite possibilities unfolding in each moment. And that is a world beyond stories of the past and of the personal self and making life about a personal self, making it into a personal story. So, yeah, 
I guess there could be something to making one's life story better or more interesting. But also knowing... It seems that we need a story because if we don't have one, we're a nobody and we have access to all energy and all the energy of creation and we're sort of manic. So I, I know all these stories aren't true that I'm telling myself about what's happening in the moment, but it also helps me believe in myself, like believe in the sense of the separate self. And one is creating that as a self-protective mechanism to protect others from becoming aware that they're not separate selves because they don't want to know that. Unless one is around others who are really open to change and transformation. Then that other energy can operate and nobody really notices as much. Or if they do notice, it's not something that's really too disrupting because they're willing to be disrupted. It's quite complex and I really don't know what comes first, the, the tofu or the soybean. two nights I've been sleeping 12 to 13 hours and I'm tapering off his oplicone took one third last night and 75 milligrams trazodone and 50 plus 12.5 milligrams of quetiapine so I'm sleeping well and that's good helpful so hopefully I can taper off most of the extra sleep meds and still go to sleep so I had my dentist appointment to fix what's unfeng shui in my mouth and they fixed the top but the bottom they couldn't fix they have to redo the fillings a bit and it's going to cost me 500 bucks. So looks like I'm going to go back to the dentist that did the work and say, please, please, can you remove this razor sharp edge from my mouth that you put there? So we'll see if I can do that. And on Monday, I have an appointment to get the air conditioning in my car fixed. So... Those are the only real things that have to happen. Not very exciting. And still reading Byron Katie, Loving What Is. And yeah, hopefully my brain twin can come and visit and see what happens. Maybe we can talk together on video or hang out and have fun.
Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.